today's week eight. We're looking at parables. And um, about one third of Jesus comes in these things called parables. And I just kind of want to tell you about what the kingdom of God is like. Um, got any students here in the room? Who's going to school? I don't care how old you are. Who's going to school? All right? Yeah, I'm going to raise my hand too. Cool. You know, the, the kingdom of God is like two students. And uh, one is just like that. You know that annoying girl you have in your class that gets like a 4.2 on a 4.0 scale? You, you know? She like sits in the front row. She completely crushes the curve. You know who I'm talking about? Kingdom of God's kind of like her in a way. I want you to imagine two students because it's like someone else as well. You know, like, uh, I'm going to kind of date myself here and, and go like, you know, a bit 80s in my terminology. But you know, they're like, they're, 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 they're like, that like burnout kind of, uh, y- 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 you know, type. I mean, I just watched The Breakfast Club again this week. And, and like, you know, you know, Bender, you know, Bender. Okay. Kingdom of God's kind of like him too. And I want you, I want you to imagine that, 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 that annoying girl, that, that 4.2-er and, and Bender. And I want to, the kingdom of God's like this prof, this teacher, gives a project, and it's big. It's a whole grade for the quarter. I mean, this is GPA making or breaking, this project here. You get a whole quarter to work on it. You ever have a project like that? I did. It ain't cool. And, you know, I mean, we know how 4.2 girl does it. The day like that, that that project comes out, I mean, she's like, she's organizing her schedule for the next 12 weeks. She's, she's laying it out and setting goals and, and getting her research plan together. She, I mean, she's honest. She's like even getting text on paper that night, you know, talking to mom and dad about it, getting it cleaned up. And, and I mean, she's just like on this dog, you know, but, but Bender, you know, there's too much good pot to smoke and, uh, he's not. And, 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 and the semester's ticking on, you know, and this teacher, he keeps kind of going, guys, don't let this get by you. Remember, this is your entire grade. Your GPA hangs on this moving on is going to depend on what you do here. And in 4.2, girl is just plowing ahead and, and, and Bender's just kind of blowing it off. And week two turns to week four and week turns to week nine. Week nine turns to week 14. Have you ever had that moment, guys? Because it's always the guys who are not doing the 4.2 thing where you kind of realize, shoot, you know, this is due in like five days, you, you, you know, and I, and I better get on it. And guys, what do we do in a time like that? We watch TV. <laughs> and that's what he does. Meanwhile, you, you know, 4.2 girl is like just like doing her sixth draft and you know, her mom has even kind of like hired some, some local profs from the local university to come in and kind of proofread. And she's faking being a student at the community college so she can go to the writing center. I mean, it's the whole thing. And, and, and like, you know, five days turns to four, turns to three, turns to two. This sucker is due Friday and it's Thursday night. It's 9 p.m. All right, you know, 4.2 girl, she's ready to rock. You know, Bender's sitting there and he's like, dang, man, better get on this. So, so guys, you know, what do we do at a time like that? We watch another movie. <laughs> and then it's 11 o'clock. And we figure, okay, it's 11. You know, it's getting late. I better get on this. And uh, what we do at a time like that is we, we, we turn on our laptop and we do a, a Google search and we try to find a, a somewhat obscure website that posts, you know, PDFs or even if we're more lucky, a Word doc. And, uh, and we practice the art of cut and paste. 
And, and we go ahead and, and he takes it and he copies it and goes through and kind of changes it up just a little bit. You know, you got to give it that 10 minutes of just kind of oomph there at the end. And most importantly, he changes it by putting his name on it. And, uh, <laughs> 1135, man, this was easy, you know. What are they talking about, this entire semester thing? And, and they're ready to roll. Friday morning comes, and the teacher starts coming around. Okay, guys, project's in, and, and 4.2 is sitting there bright-eyed and happy because she knows she smoked this sucker. I mean, she's aced it. And, and, and I mean, it's just going to be another just kind of like ribbon on, on her academic record of, of showing the teachers of this high school just how wonderful a human being she actually is. And, and, and Bender wannabe turns his in two. And, okay, roll the dice, right? Okay, you know, projects like that, got any teachers in the room? Yeah, you don't get done with that in a weekend, do you? It, it's a week, and so they're sitting there kind of stewing for a week, and, and you're feeling pretty good at this point because, hey, you know, I mean, this is kind of going unnoticed. And, and then Reckoning Day comes. And have you ever been there, those of you who are students with Reckoning Day, where, where you know, it's coming back, and, and, and don't you just like kind of hate it when the teacher puts it face down on your desk, and you're like, how am I supposed to read that? The papers get handed back. People start eagerly flipping them over. 4.2 girl takes a look. D plus. Oh my gosh. Okay, we're going we're gonna to just kind of call you out. Where's our 4.2 girls in the room? Regardless of your gender. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. Get those hands up. I know there's more of you. You know, you ever have that happen to you? You ever have that happen to you where it's just like, my life is over. My life is substantially ruined from which there is no recovery. My sense of self-worth self-esteem, and my entire sense of who I am has been shattered before my eyes. It fills you with outrage, and it filled her with outrage, too. This is a travesty. What community college did this teacher get her degree from? What's going on here? You know, I mean, the, the whole thing starts coming out. Bender gets his, too. And he takes a look. And it just has that dreaded little note. See me. And there you've got a 40-minute class ahead of you that you just have to stew through and wonder and wait with that anxiety that grips in the pit of the stomach for 4.2 girl trying to end the travesty of what's happened and for the bender wannabe going, oh my gosh, what is, you know, and what's this going to mean? Class ends, the bell rings, students go. Hey, stick around and come see me. But 4.2 girl wants to see him as well. She comes up. She comes to the teacher. She goes, how can I have gotten a D? How can I have gotten a D? I have worked all semester. I have slaved over this. I have gone above and beyond everyone else in this class. I am more than a D student. To which the teacher simply responds, I'm sorry. This is D work. You have earned a D. And she storms off in a tirade and in a huff at the injustice of the educational system in America. Now Bender's left alone. She looks him square in the eye, this teacher. Know what you did. 
do you think I'm an idiot? Do you think I don't know the caliber of your work? Do you think I don't recognize what cut and paste looks like? And the anxiety continues to well up. And he finally just blurts out, look, I did it. I cheated. I'm sorry. I do it all the time. My mom is going to kill me. I have got to get out of this school. Please do not fail me. Teacher looks at him. She says, give me your paper. And she takes it. And she pulls out old red. And she scratches out that little note. And you know what she writes? The letter A. Get out of here. Good job. That's what the kingdom of God is like. You know what else the kingdom of God's like? It's like a computer virus. You ever get one? Yeah, Mac user. <laughs> is there no more infuriating thing? Here is this, what amounts to like a line of code. Here is this thing that's in bed. You can't see it. You can't detect it. You don't know it's in there. You don't know what it's doing. It, it kind of lays underground, seemingly insignificant until it starts to wake its head. And suddenly everything in its path gets infected. Everything is different. Everything is changed. Give me a sec. There we go. All right. Hopefully it sticks. And you know what? And before you know it, anyone who comes in contact with it, anyone who shares something with it, anyone who interfaces with it gets infected too. And before you know it, something starts sweeping through the land that has the ability to bring down nations and economies. You know what? The kingdom of God is like that too. Here's what else it's like. It's like that time when you get that offer for that seven-figure salary in the heart of, like, Hawaii or Southern California or Colorado, and they tell you it's only about 20 weeks an hour or 20 hours a week. They tell you it's kind of like the job of your dreams and leave and pay moving expenses for your family, and they even have, like, things like nap rooms and snack bars where they give you food for free at the job. Kingdom of God's like that, you know, and it's just kind of like you got to decide in a week. Do you want it? Because it's yours. Kingdom of God's a lot like that. The kingdom of God's a lot like a lot of things that don't really make a lot of sense. And what parables are about is Jesus just trying to help us to see what the kingdom of God is like. And sometimes we see him and go, what? And sometimes we see him and go, yeah, that makes sense. And other times we see him and we're like, how can that be? That is so unfair, that is so unjust how can that be? See, when you look at the Gospels, Jesus was going around doing these amazing things for the kingdom. He was healing sick people with a touch. He was going to people that had been crippled their entire lives, paraplegic. And with a word, they would walk again. 
He was going to people that were blind and he would give them the ability to see. And he was going to people that were deaf and giving them the ability to hear. He was going to outcasts and lepers and, and people who were shunned and he was welcoming them in. He was going to people that were broken of soul and he was healing them. He was going to people who were demon-possessed. People that the, 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 the doctors and the people of the day had no idea what to do about. And he was driving out demons. The kingdom of God was coming right before everyone's eyes. And I got a question for you. Because I read through the Gospels and I see some weird things happen. I see someone who comes, who's doing all this good, who's sharing all this love. And you're like, man, how? But you know what people are doing? Some are kind of listening, going, oh, that's cool. And they get healed and they go on their way as though that's the end all be all of the situation. Others are seeing it and going, how can this guy do these things? And not how can he do them because like, where does he get the power? More like, who does he think he is? Let me ask you, why were the Pharisees so ticked at Jesus for healing a crippled guy? Why did they get so mad because he told a paralyzed guy to walk? And why did they look at Jesus when he would cast out demons and they clearly saw that the power of good was overcoming the power of evil and destruction before their eyes and going, you know what? This guy must be demon-possessed too. Why do people respond to Jesus that way? Why does Jesus' own family think he's out of his mind? Because everything that I've just shared with you, including attempts to kill him is how people responded to the message of Jesus and the evidence of his kingdom. Does that make sense to you? It doesn't make sense to me either in a way, but it does show me that there's something more going on here. And it's something pivotal for which these things that we call parables have a role to play. Now I want you guys to look at something with me. Can you pull out a Bible? Would you do that? And take a look at Mark chapter four, because every example that I've just shared with you of how people respond to Jesus happened in Mark one and Mark two and Mark three. And it's on the heels of this, that this conflict that occurs when God comes into your midst and you're never the same for or against that parables seek to breathe into and explain. Now, what you're looking at in Mark chapter 4 here, it also occurs in Matthew chapter 13. They're parallel, if you know what that means. And it's the same story, but each author teaches it with his own nuance. May I encourage you in something? As we're doing this reading challenge, and as you read the Bible, don't just read the story in one gospel. Read it in the other gospels where it appears and compare and contrast what's going on because it's in those differences and those nuances that starts to bring different aspects to life. We're going to look at Mark four. It says again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. What lake? Well, that lake. Remember that lake? If you've been with us for a few weeks, we've been looking a lot at this lake. There's this lake kind of up top. It's called the Sea of Galilee. It's the one Jesus goes back and forth between Gentiles on the left, or, you know, Jews on the left, Gentiles on the right storms going, you know, east and, and calm going west. And, and all of Jesus' parables are taught on this lake. Now, what does Mark say? So again, Jesus began to teach where? By the lake. The crowds gathered around him um, were so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out in 
the lake. He had to get out in the lake to teach the people because they were just swarming him. All the people were along the shore by the water's edge. And this time, instead of saying something clear, Jesus responds, and it says that he taught them many things by parables, stories and riddles and maxims and brain teasers, things that, 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 that had meaning underneath. And this is what he said. Hey, 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 listen. Listen up. Farmer went out to sow his seed. And you see that that's not like S-E-W there? That's really an important point. He went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. And birds came and ate it. And some fell on rocky places. And it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. And when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Okay. Third group of seed fell among some thorns. And, and, and the plants grew, but, but, but it choked the plants and, and, and they didn't really bear grain. They didn't do what they were supposed to do, right? And then still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. Okay, see you later. Well, that's what Jesus did. That's what he did. He dismissed the crowds. He told them a story about a farmer and some agricultural principles. And, and, and this is the teacher that's changed the world? But that's what he did. Now, if you're looking at Mark, you can see something. Some people weren't content with that, right? But some were. Just like today, I bet someone would be more content to go, yeah, man, 1110, man, we're getting a brunch early today, right? And I'm just like, what? That's it? So it says that some kind of hang back. And it wasn't just the 12 disciples. Do you see that? Some others kind of hang with the 12. And they're like, dude, what the heck? What, what does that even mean? Like, 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 huh? And so this is what Jesus says. He goes, look, guys, guys, I need to tell you something. The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. Okay, it's given to you. But it's not given to those outside. To those outside, everything is said in parables. And would you do me a favor? Keep your finger there and close your Bible. It says this. The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. Okay? Everything is said in these weird, riddle, mind-teaser stories that seem utterly obtuse at times, especially if you don't know the punchline before you've heard it, unlike us who like know this backwards and forwards, right? Or at least some of us. Why? Why does Jesus teach this way? Gospel doesn't give one answer. Matthew will say this. Just read it. Okay, you kind of got it? 
Okay, Matthew says this. It's kind of like this. Do you not read that and get kind of this sense of it's like, well, okay, the reason I'm teaching, guys, the reason I'm teaching them in parables is because, my gosh, have you ever seen more dense human beings in the face of the earth? You know, they, they like have eyes, don't they? How can they have eyes and see what I'm doing and not see it? How can they have ears and hear what I'm saying and not hear it? How can they have hearts that are screaming within their chest that, oh my gosh, the Lord of life is in their midst? And just be like, you know? And, and you get this sense from Matthew, don't you, that, you know, these people, they become dull. They've closed their eyes. It's like, for Matthew, it almost seems intentional, doesn't it? Like, they've gone like this. I don't want to see it. You ever take your kid in, like, a haunted house or a scary movie, and they do that, where it's like, they're there, and they have eyes to see, but they're like, I don't want to see it. And they pull that. Have you ever, have you ever seen it with the ears, too? La, 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 you know, that kind of thing. Thank you for not doing that to me while I preach, by the way, because that just is demoralizing. But have you been around situations like that. It's like these people, that they have eyes to see, they have ears to hear, they're blocking it out, they're shutting it out, they're not taking what's clearly before their eyes. And if they did, they would see. If they did, they would hear. If they stopped going la, 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 they would hear. And what would happen? They might actually wake up and turn. And I'd heal them. Which seems to say what about parables? Which seems to say what about parables? You get the sense, don't you? That these teachings are subversive. You ever do this, parents? If you can't kind of get through to your kid head on, you kind of find the obtuse path that goes around and you know exactly where it's going to lead and you know you can get the sneak attack from the flank. You know what I'm talking about, right? And you get this sense from Jesus. It's like, you know, there's some people in this world that just don't care. They don't want to hear it. And no matter how many ways you say it, no matter how winsome it is, no matter how attractive it is, no matter how much it burns in their soul, no matter how messed up their lives happen to be, and the road to destruction that they happen to be on that they could see before their eyes, they don't want to hear it. And they would rather stop their ears and close their eyes to the clear teaching of Jesus. And it's like Jesus saying, but you know what? I will stop at nothing to get through to people like these. Because you know what I found? God is horribly unscrupulous. He is. Don't play cards against this guy. Because he will do everything in his means possible to win. God will come at you in every conceivable way. That's what God does. He doesn't give up. And Matthew seems to say that Jesus began to teach in parables to subvert the hardness of people's hearts. But open to Mark again. Because that's not quite what he has to say. The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you disciples, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. And you could take a look on the screen so that they may be ever saying, but never perceiving and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise they might turn 
and be forgiven. Now, I don't want to give like punchlines away here, but do you notice the difference between the two? Do do you guys? Because if you don't see it, look a little harder. Do you notice the difference between the two? What's different about Mark than Matthew? Don't tell me like where a comma is or something either. I mean, what's different about Mark than Matthew? Put it this way. What seems to be the difference in the intended purpose of Jesus' parables and Mark as opposed to Matthew? Matthew seems all about, man, I'm stopping at nothing. I'm going to get through to these guys. If it can't be straightforwardly, I'm going around. Does not Mark seem to be the exact opposite? Does not Mark seem to be the reason I teach these suckers in parables who are trying to kill me, who are rejecting everything I do before them, who are saying I'm I'm the spawn of hell, who think I'm demon-possessed, who think I'm out of my mind, who take my miracles and go, yeah, that's cool, and get on with their life. You know what? I'm talking to them in parables so that, you know, even though they got eyes, they won't see it. And even though they got ears, they won't hear it. And even though they they can be hearing and understanding, they're not going to turn. I'm going to tell them in parables. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. And you know what? I've come to a place beyond that. We talk about God so much in the church today as the, oh, it's okay, guys. It's okay, You could spit in my face. You could dump on me. You could treat me like dirt. Like that seventh grade girlfriend. You know, in, out, in, out, in, out. It's like God's saying there comes a place where maybe I'm done with you. Does that fit the conception of God that you've come to believe? which says something very frightening about this God whom we stand in the presence of. Because the kingdom of God is like a lot of things. But God is not like your grandfather, who's always there as though nothing matters. I'll just kind of love you and hug you and it'll all be the same. And for Mark, the parables almost become this thing where it's like God finally saying, then let your judgment be upon you. And this is kind of bad news. And it's bad news because when you come into the presence of God, nothing is ever the same. Neutrality is not an option. It's not even a choice. It just affects you. It does something to you, whether it leads you towards or away. And every time we come into his presence, we have a choice to make. See, Jesus taught in parables at one level to get through to people at any means. But Jesus also taught in parables to let their judgment be upon them. And so many people obsess about parables, asking, what does it mean? What does it mean? When I think Jesus has something else in mind. The real question is not what it means. The real question 
is what are you going to do about it? Maybe put another way, instead of asking what the parable of the sower and the parable of the dirt and all the kinds of different kind of dirt actually mean, maybe you should be asking this. What kind of dirt are you? When you come face to face with the presence in the kingdom of God, what kind of dirt are you? Are you the kind that just kind of stares at a blockheadedly going, Ugh. Are you the kind that, that jumps on all happy, but there's nothing like of any depth or root? Are you the kind that kind of wants it and knows it and goes after it, but kind of plays like a mid-level game because you want a lot of other stuff as well? And when that line's drawn in the sand, you're just not willing to choose? Or are you the kind that's going to receive it, love it, own it, stumble through it, misunderstand it, fall again, again, make a mistake and completely mess, make a mess out of it, but keep coming back after it again and again. Because that's the real question Jesus has for you. Have you noticed through Jesus' parables, he always has this line, he who has ears, let him hear. Sounds kind of churchy, doesn't it? You know what he's saying? You guys, do you have ears? Do you have ears? Do you? Do you have things hanging here? Do they work? Even if they don't work too well, you got like some kind of like squeaky thing that you put inside of it that hums every now and then, but helps you to hear. All right, you got it? And Jesus says, listen up. Don't take my kingdom for granted. It's near, it's in your face, and it comes and it goes in an instant. Do not be left on the outside when it comes to you. Now I'm done. Guys, I want to invite you to rise. And I want to invite you to, uh, to pray with me today. I've been doing church work for 17 years. In every church I've been in, I've seen four kinds of people. Roads, rocky ground, thorny ground, and the tilled soil. And I really want you to take to heart these words today. Are you listening? Are you listening when God speaks to you? And the good news about the kingdom of God is that no matter what four soil types you've come in with today, God brings his kingdom message to you saying, turn, repent, believe. Come follow me you will produce a harvest a hundred times anything you've ever seen. So I invite you to let God come to you in, in that way today. Let's pray. For those of us, God, this morning, right now, who are thick-headed, hard as rocks, with hearts like flint, for those that we love, that we know that every time the word comes to them, God, it seems to get snatched away reprogrammed in an instant. 
God, we pray, never stop assaulting their soul. Break through to them. For those, God, who come here today with the hardness and callousness of heart, they would fear your warning and hear your invitation and see your grace that's unbound. Open their hearts to you today. I pray for the people here right now, God, who are new. New to you and your kingdom and so excited about it. That God, that kingdom takes root in their soul. That it doesn't just wither away when it gets a little tough. It doesn't just evaporate when, when the emotional hit is gone. God, move them to open their hearts to let those roots grow deep here today. And I pray for those, God, today who are choked. Choked by desire and life and choked by demands and needs and choked by all the pretty things of this world and all the things that we want and choked, God, by our fears and our motives and everything that crowds you out. God, spray some weed killer on us. God, restore us. It moves God so that we're not victim to the weeds. We go in with a scythe and cut them down and, 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 and prepare our hearts for you. And I pray, God, for those here today that are tilled, whose hearts have been worked over, and they're open, and they're vulnerable, and they're bared before you. God, you protect them. And that you flourish something in their lives. God, that you flourish something that defies all human imagination. God, you've given us ears. Helps to listen. Lord, we pray. Amen. Jesus was going to die. He was going to die because people rejected his kingdom. He's going to die because they rejected what they saw before their eyes. And he said, see this bread? That's what I'm like. Take and eat. This is my body. And it's going to be broken for you. Do you have minds? Remember. When they were done eating the bread, he took a cup and he gave thanks to God for all that was about to take place, which makes no sense to me. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, drink of this, all of you. Because you see this wine? I'm like this. This is my blood. And it's shed for you for the forgiveness of every hardness, for the forgiveness of your deafness and your blindness, for the forgiveness of every resistance. It's shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. So brothers and sisters, come do this in remembrance of him.